Anyway, I'm going to jump right in. We're going to finish up the series on faith today. And uh, we've been talking about radical faith, and we're going to wrap it up today. And I've heard so many tremendous testimonies because, see, as faith rises, as your faith rises, it really impacts uh, the kingdom. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, first of all, though, I want to I want to talk about the difficult side. This is, this is when faith is failing. Because there's times in our life when we pray and it doesn't happen. And, you know, it doesn't happen in our time frame. And, and I want to talk about the difficult side of faith today. And, um, you know, before I do, I want to pray. Father, I just ask you to come and to download everything you have, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you will speak to the people's hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, they will be encouraged and strengthened by you. And I give you the glory today in Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Now, here's the deal. Um, I want to ask you a question, and it's actually the first question, but do you think the primary purpose of faith is so that you can have really good health, that you can be really wealthy, uh, that you can uh, really have just incredible relationships with others, uh, that you can have a comfortable life here on this earth? Do you think that's the primary purpose of faith? Well, you're right. It's not. Although God really cares about you, and he wants to help you in all those areas, and he's for you, but that's not the primary purpose of faith. Now, if I were to ask you a question, who wrote most of the revelation knowledge on faith in the New Testament, who would you say? Yeah, the Apostle Paul, absolutely. He was a man of faith. He understood faith. And you know, before he became a believer in Jesus, he had an incredibly great life, a very comfortable life. He was elevated as the Jewish superstar of the day. He was a guy who they picked single-handedly because he knew the Torah best. He was incredible. He stunned under Gamaliel. And they picked him to deal with this cult of Christianity that had risen up to stop it from perverting Judaism. And he did it with an incredible zeal. And then he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and it totally transformed his life. He came into a new relationship with the Father. He understood grace as never before. He understood the love of the Father, and he understood faith in a whole new way. But let me tell you something. His life was anything but comfortable after that. I want to just read to you. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to turn with me. Turn to, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter, actually chapter 11. And this is where Paul talks about kind of the things that he goes through after he becomes a believer. Starting with verse 24. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Now let me just say 40 kills you. So he was brought to the brink of death five different times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and that's when he was stoned to death, and they raised him back from the dead. He said, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent the whole, a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. And then he goes on to say, he says, I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty. 
and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. I just want to say something. I believe that faith, the primary purpose of faith, is so we can have an impact on the short time we're here on this earth. I believe God wants us to have an impact. And that's where faith comes in. Let me ask you this. Do you think Paul had an impact? He wrote much of the revelation knowledge that we find in the New Testament. And even today, those words are still having an impact for generation after generation, for century after century. He's still having an impact, his life impact. But he didn't have. He didn't have an easy life. He didn't have a a, a comfortable life. And so (laughs) I really want you to understand that there are times when we go through struggles. There's times, and, and Paul writes this too. In Philippians chapter 4, 11 and 12, he says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content in whatever I have. And I believe that's the secret, being content, not needing more or not worrying about what you have that you might lose it. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything, meaning more than, in the Greek word it says, really more than I ever need. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or with little. And you know what that secret is? He goes on to say in the next verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. So that's the bottom line. That's where faith comes in. See, faith isn't about us. Faith is about him. And I want you to know something. I believe over these last, this, this is the last one, but over these six weeks, your faith is rising. And there's something happening on the inside. I believe God's doing a great work. And, and, and let me just say, too, that, that, you know, there's times when prayer doesn't get answered, it seems. It seems like things aren't happening the way we hoped they would. Roman number two says, when our faith does not produce the desired results, that's the blank, the desired results, how do we deal with it? I'm going to talk about three keys of how we deal with it when faith doesn't yield what we think it should, when things don't happen in our timing, when things don't happen the way we want it to happen. And I want you to know that oftentimes, sometimes Christians make it worse. I, uh, I remember several years ago talking to a couple who had come from another church and they were hurting and wounded. And they told me that they had a baby uh, that had died And the people in the church told them if they'd only had more faith, that that baby would not have died. Can you imagine? Can you imagine people saying that when these people are heartbroken because they lost their baby and the baby died? And then people tell them you didn't have enough faith. I want you to know that's sick. That is really sick because that's not faith at all. And I want to talk to you today about, about three areas. The first key is, number one, We need to expect normal delays. Say, expect normal delays. Now, I believe we live in in an impatient time. I believe that, you know, we want our internet to work faster. Uh, We want, you know, we want everything to be faster. One of the things I love, by the way, is that you, I, I learned how to do this. 
uh, that you can text. I'm not a fast texter, but now when I want to text a message, I just push my little microphone and I talk into it and it texts it and I send it. Man, I love that. I love that because I can do it quickly. And, uh, but I learned a very important lesson. Always read <laughs> what it says. Because I sent something when I first was doing this to someone I didn't know that well. And, and there was actually a cuss word in there. <laughs> and when I saw it, I was horrified. And so always read because sometimes it doesn't get it right. You know, and I won't tell you what it was because I'm in church. But anyway, uh, it wasn't good. But anyway, uh, so I learned from now on, I always read. <laughs> what, I've, what I've said. But I love that quality. Now, we're, I think it's funny how all the technology we have has made us more impatient. And we want things now, and we want our answer to prayer now, and we want God to move now, and when he doesn't, we get so frustrated. You know, and here, here's the key. If you go back 100 years and you talk to a farmer, they understood that there was a normal time between when they planted their seed and when it came up. In fact, we even know if you go out and plant some tomato seed, you're not going to go out the next morning and pick tomatoes, amen? You know, we know that it takes a time. There's a time frame between seed and harvest. And there's a time frame when, when you cry out to God. And, and, and there's a normal time frame where, where you're sowing and then the reaping comes. And so, but we're not, we're in a hurry. You know, I'm really guilty of this. I, you know, I'll be honest with you. You know, when I'm driving and I'm coming to a light and that light turns yellow, you know what that means to me? Step on it. Get through there before it turns red, you know. And so I've gone through a lot of amber lights. And uh, now my wife, on the other hand, she's great because sometimes I'll be with her and I'm in a hurry and I'll say, and it'll start, the, the light will change and I'll go, honey, step on it. She'll go, no. Like that. <laughs> I know, give her a hand, I know. She's... She's a good governor for me. But anyway, uh, and I'm frustrated when she doesn't step on it. Anyway, um, and so we're impatient. You know, we want it to happen now. We want it to happen in a hurry. We're in a hurry. And uh, I just want to tell you that there's a natural time frame that happens. And, and I want to read you in, in Habakkuk. Say Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2, 3, and 4, it says, At the time I have decided, my words will, will come, well, they'll come true. And you can trust what I say about the future. And here's the part that we don't like. It may take a long time, but keep on waiting. It will eventually happen. I, the Lord, refuse to accept anyone who is proud. Only those who live by faith are acceptable to me. Now, let me ask you a question. When somebody's proud, where's the focus? It's all on self. It's all about me, me, me. And God's out of the picture. But when I'm in faith, where's my, where, where's my focus? It's on him. You see, the scripture, basically, faith is another, it's really another definition of humility. Humility is total dependence on God. When I have trust in him, when I know I can't get it done in my ability and my power, and my focus is on him, that's faith. That's also humility. And the scripture says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So really faith, another definition for faith is humility. And so it's so important to recognize that God loves it when we come to him, when we depend on him. And so we face situations all the time where we need him. 
But sometimes we don't turn to him. And so I just want to encourage you in those times, you know, we got to go to him. Now, uh, I love in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, and in verse 15, it says, uh, our great desire. By the way, I've got so much scripture. I went away and prayed and fasted this week. God downloaded so much scripture. I only got through some of it in the nine. I'm only going to get through some of it. I realize that. But, but I'm going to fill you with, with the word. You know why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word. So you're going you're gonna to walk out really full. So here we go. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Now, let me just say this. I believe our primary purpose here in this world is to love others. You know, Bob Jones, who was a a well-known prophet, he passed away probably, oh, just a little under a year ago. But a few years ago, he died and he went to heaven. And he met Jesus there. And Jesus just had a few words for him. He didn't say, Bob, man, you've really accomplished so much. I am so proud of you. And he didn't say any of that. He just said, have you loved well? Think about that. I believe that's what Jesus may be asking us when we get to heaven. Have you loved well? And I believe faith is an important part of that because we love through his ability to love. Let's go a little further then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Now, the word there for endurance is the Greek word macrothumia. Say macrothumia. Macrothumia is two words. Some translations say patience. The real word, it really what it means is patient endurance. And macrothumia, macro means large, like macroeconomics, and thumia means passion or ability to hang in there. It's actually one of the fruits of the Spirit. The King James translates it, it translates it, uh, it doesn't translate it patience, it calls it long-suffering. That's what the word in the King James is. But, but the word here, really what it means is that you are able to really hang in there even when, when hope is gone. And so macrothumia is very important. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's developed inside of you, and it develops when you face difficult situations. And so it says you inherit the promise not only through faith, but through faith and patient endurance, through faith and macrothumia. And then it goes on to say this. It says, then Abraham waited patiently. And again, it's the same word. In other words, he waited with patient endurance and he received what God had promised. Do you know at 75 years old, God promised Abraham that he was going to have a child of promise? And I'm sure Abraham thought that would happen quickly. Maybe when he was 76, didn't happen. 77, maybe 78, didn't happen. Maybe 79, maybe 80, didn't happen. Maybe 88, didn't happen at 88. Maybe 98, it didn't happen at 98. You know when it happened? When he was 100 years old, it took 25 years for that to happen. And in, the, in between, he thought he'd help God. And he thought, I'll help God. And he produced an Ishmael. It's interesting. Before that, in Genesis chapter 12, God said, I will make you a great nation. After he has Ishmael, he said, I will make you the father of many nations. In other words, I believe God wants to bless all people of this, of this world. I believe he wants to bless Muslims. I believe he wants to bless, you know, he wants to bless everyone. Why? Jesus gave his life for everyone. 
And so it's important to know, you know, and, and, and I, I just want to, I just want to let you know that it's so, so important that it's through faith and patient endurance that we're able to, to inherit the promise. And sometimes we don't like to wait. Amen. And, uh, I know I'm guilty of that. I know you're guilty of that. And, uh, but guess what? We're going to get better at it. Say, we're going to get better, pastor. Okay. Look at number two, be aware of possible demonic delay. When you become a believer, you have an adversary. His name is Satan. Actually, it means, ad, Satan means adversary. You, he has a, a whole demonic realm of, you know, horde. He's outnumbered two to one, but he still has these. And they resist what you're trying to do. When we tried to build this church on this property, first of all, we purchased the property. It took us seven years of battle, of intense spiritual warfare. And, and there were people, when we finally had the meetings, there were people that were Christians that stood up and spoke against us. One couple started coming to our church. In fact, several I've talked to, and they all said that there was d- demonic activity. This one couple said, we don't know why we spoke out against this church. Then this lady, the, the wife goes, I believe it was demonic demonically inspired. And I believe it was too. But guess what? The enemy didn't win, did he? But it took patient endurance. It took a lot of your patience. It took a lot of your prayers. And, and I just want you to know there's times where it demands patient endurance on our part to be able to press through. It's faith plus patient endurance. And so I want to encourage you in those times where you're struggling, sometimes there's demonic it's demonic activity. Uh, Paul writes in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, he says, we really wanted to come to you. He's talking to the Thessalonians. He said, we really wanted to come to you, but he said, I myself tried several times, but Satan always stopped us. The enemy stopped them. But you know what? God brought good out of this. Because he stopped them, he wrote the first and second Thessalonians, and we have that, and that's impacted people for century after century. And so God still brought good. What the enemy meant for evil, God brought good out of it. But Paul was hindered. There's another passage in here. And you say, well, how do you know when it's the enemy? How do you know when it's just not just a natural delay? And by the way, delay doesn't mean denial, right? And, and how do you know when it's a natural delay or when it's the enemy? How do you know? Well, I believe when it's the enemy, it, it, there's, there's an intensity that goes beyond just the natural delay. I believe you know in your spirit, it's a discerning of spirits, and you, you pick it up and you sense it. There's times where things are so weird that you know it's just not natural. And there's depression that comes with that. There's discouragement that comes with that. Because if the enemy can get you to, to really question God's nature, that's exactly what he wants you to do. Because see, when you pray and it doesn't happen, and then you begin to question God. Well, does God really love me? Is God really there? Is, is he really there for me? I don't know. I begin to question. And you know, and I've done this in times of struggle. I have questioned. I've said, God, where are you? I, I just, do you really care? Do you really? And he does care. And he, Satan wants us to question his nature, but God is such an incredible loving father and he's for us, but it doesn't mean everything's going to happen the way we think it should and the way we want it to, no matter how great our faith might be. And so here's what I'd want to say to you. I want to say there are times when the enemy comes. There's a great example. In fact, turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. In Daniel chapter 10, you'll see, you'll see an example of this. And uh, it's really interesting because, you know, Daniel had really prayed And he had prayed and nothing happened. Nothing happened the first day. Nothing happened the second. I mean, it went on and on. It went on for 21 days. No answer. Now think about that. That would be incredibly discouraging. We're going to pick this up 
Daniel 10. Uh, let's pick it up about verse 11. Verse 11, and, and it says this. It says, and the man, this is actually referring to an angel, and the angel said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. Now I want you to hear this. You, every one of you, are incredibly precious to God. I want you to say this with me. Say, I am incredibly precious to God my Father. Now some of you said that like you didn't believe it. But I want you to know he had his son die for you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. Now, I want you to listen to me carefully. So first of all, uh, he says, he says this to him. He says, um, he says, you're very precious to God, so listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I believe when you cry out to God, he hears that request. But sometimes there is there's, there's demonic interference, and it doesn't come back to you. You don't get the answer back. You don't get what you're hoping for. And so <clears throat> he goes on to say this. Um, he said, I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, meaning that the prince of Persia was a demonic uh, principality over Persia. By the way, it's still probably there. It's over Iraq and Iran and, and that whole area in the Middle East. And you know what's going on there. And, uh, and it blocked my way. Then Michael, who was the archangel, the powerful archangel, one of the, arch, of the archangels came to help me and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. In other words, they battled. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Now, here's what I want you to know. Daniel went 21 days without receiving that. And I want you to know there's times where we go maybe even longer than that. And there's this, and there's this demonic thing, this thing that's trying to hold us back. Sometimes it's so subtle, we're not even aware that it's demonic. Now here's what I'm gonna do. I did this in the last service. The Lord just spoke to me. He said, I want you to do it again. You know where it said Daniel, where he said, Daniel, stand up? If you're facing any kind of demonic, something holding you back, I want you to stand up right now because when you do, something's gonna happen powerfully. Go ahead and stand. And I honor you and, and thank you for your courage. And we had a whole lot of people in the last service standing. So I believe you're gonna really experience uh, a greater breakthrough in this as you stand. Okay, you ready? Now I'm gonna pray for you. I want you to, the rest of you, would you extend your hands to those that are standing, that they had the courage to stand? Heavenly Father, right now, I take authority over every demonic spirit that would try to hold back the promises of God, that would try to hold back, God, what you have for your children. I break it by the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we release everything you have. I want you to say this with me, those that are standing, those that are sitting. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. And I thank you that though the enemy might delay it, he cannot stop it. And I receive everything that you have in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Let's give him a hand. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. All right. 
All right, that feels good. Okay, let's do this. Okay, now, number three, number three. Don't allow endless delay to discourage. By that, I mean long-term. Sometimes it's not natural delay. Sometimes it goes beyond demonic. It can be demonic, but it just seems to go on and on and on. And let me say this. Oftentimes, when our prayers are not answered quickly, there's something happening on the inside to us that we don't even understand. Now, if I were to ask you, of all the disciples, which one would you say was the most impulsive and the most impatient and probably the most obnoxious? Who would you say? Peter. Everybody says Peter. You guys got it right. Peter, he was, he was always impatient. He was always impulsive. He was always doing things that ticked off the other disciples. I mean, you know, that's the way he was. But you know what? Peter learned an incredibly powerful lesson. And the Peter before Jesus died and before, before you know, Jesus came in, into their life and the Holy Spirit indwelt them was different than the Peter after. In fact, Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. He says this, So be truly glad there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Did you hear that? He's saying you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than gold. In other words, your faith is being tested and the impurities are being burned off and your character is growing. You know what? When you, when you reach heaven, God's more concerned about your character than he is your accomplishments. When you get to heaven, you're not going to go, wow, look what I did, God. He's not impressed with that. He's impressed with who you've become. Anyway, Peter goes on to say this. And by the way, your faith is much more precious than gold. And so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Did you hear that? You're going to have much praise. You know, unbelievers are watching you when you're going through a trial. You don't know that oftentimes, but they're watching to see how you respond. Then he goes on to say this. You love him even though you've never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him. It means have faith in him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. God's doing a work on the inside of you. You know, I had lunch this past week with a man in his 70s. He struggled with Parkinson's ever since I've known him. He works out at the gym where I work out. And he said he'd like, he wanted to take me out to lunch. So we had lunch together. And I've seen this man, he works out. I mean, almost every time I'm at the gym, he's there. He works out and he told me at lunch, he said, I don't know if you know this, but I have eight discs in my back that are fused. He said, I'm in a lot of pain a lot of the time. I said, how can you have such a great attitude? Because I said, you have such a good attitude about life, about everything. He said, I'll tell you how I do. First of all, he's a Catholic, and he's, he's a strong Catholic because he works out a lot. Anyway, he's a strong. <laughs> anyway, he said, I have faith in God. And he said, not only that, I have a great wife. I have great children. I have great grandchildren. He said, and I have so much joy in my life. And I see others 
who are going through greater struggles than I am. How can I get discouraged? And I just, man, I'll tell you, I had tears in my eyes as he shared this from his heart. Because, man, what a great attitude. What a great heart. I want you to know that sometimes we don't get those answers to prayer. Sometimes we go through struggles, but there's something happening on the inside of us. God is perfecting our faith. He's changing our character. I know it's not fun. I want to read to you, and you can turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35. I want to read to you, and this is Hebrews chapter 11, as you may know. It's the, it's the passage that actually talks about all the great people of faith. It's really called the Hall of Faith. <clears throat> when it gets down to the end of the verse, though, it talks about people that never, ever inherit the promise. I want you to hear this because I believe it'll give you a different perspective on things. <clears throat> verse 35, we're going to pick it up there. There were those who under torture refused to give in and to go free, preferring something better, a better resurrection. Others braved abuse and whips and yes, chains and dungeons. We have stories of those who were stoned, sawed in two, murdered in cold blood. Stories of vagrants wandering on the earth in animal skins, homeless, friendless, powerless. The world didn't deserve them, making their way as best they could on the cruel edge of the world. Not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary. Now, did you hear that? Even though their lives of faith were exemplary, they were exemplary in faith, but none of these people got their hands on what was promised. They never received the promise. God had a better plan for us that their faith and our faith would come together to make one complete whole their lives of faith not complete apart from our lives I want you to think about this when I go to Pakistan I get to minister to the believers there and it's amazing because many of them lost loved ones many of them have been tortured Many of them are in tremendous pain. And I'm blown away because they're not looking for comfort. They're looking to make an impact. They're trying to reach out to other people that don't know Jesus to bring them into the kingdom. And they don't care whether their life is in jeopardy. They care more about having an impact. You know, in the New Testament, there's no chapter and verse. And so the letter of Hebrews, right after it talks about these people that were sawn in two and gave their lives and all the struggles, it goes right in to the next part of the verse, which actually is chapter 12, which is a terrible place to break this. But it goes right in and it says, for since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which would cling so closely and let us run with patient endurance the race that is set before us, looking to who? Looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. 
Now think about that. These witnesses are, they went before us. They're there with us. They're there receiving a better place. Do you know that in heaven there are rewards? There's rewards here, but there's rewards in heaven. And so together, it's going to be an incredible time. And they're with us. They're rooting us on. You see, and it says, not only that, that Jesus went to the cross despising the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. He did it. He did it all. And that's why he's the author and finisher of our faith. And so we can't give up. We can't give up in the midst of whatever's happening. In fact, that's the next point. The next point is, no matter what, what, do not give up on God or on others. Say, I will not give up on God or on others. Let me tell you, I've been tempted many times to give up. I'll be totally honest with you. There's times when I've just wanted to throw in the towel. There's times I've wanted to say I've had enough. I'm sure you've experienced that as well. But God never wants us to give up. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 says it this way. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Another way it says, that's not, you know, it's easy to get weary in well-doing, but let's not do that. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't what? If we don't give up. Now, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have an opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. I want to encourage you. There are times when we feel like it's not worth it. But when you stand before God, when you stand with the witnesses that have gone before you, with many who gave their lives for Christ, many who may have not received the promises, many who did not have comfortable lives, but they made a difference. When you stand in that place, I believe that you will receive incredible blessings, not only here on earth, but in heaven. You see, we're here to make a difference. And that's what faith is all about. That's what trusting God is in the difficult times, in the hard times, when things aren't going well. That's when we grow most. Never, ever, and I have, never, ever questioned God's character. His character is eternal. His character is love. He's a good, good father. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Now, you might be here and you might say, Pastor, I love God. I love Jesus. But I've never really fully surrendered my life to him. You see, part of faith and part of coming into salvation is recognizing what he's done on the cross. He's forgiven you of all your multitude of mistakes and sin. And he wants to come into your life, but you've got to receive him. And when he does, he changes you from the inside out. Doesn't mean you're going to have an easy life, but it means you're going to have an impactful life. Maybe you say, wow, I need to do that, Pastor. Or maybe you've done it at one time, but you've moved away. And you've kind of strayed away from him. 
I want you all to pray this simple prayer. And first of all, let me ask you this. If that includes any of you, we had several in the last service, I want you to just wave at me and say, Pastor, I'm coming back to him, or Pastor, I need Jesus, or, you know, just wave at me. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you right there. God bless you. Other hands, just kind of wave at me. God bless you. God bless you. If you're doing this for the first time, make sure you let us know. I want everybody to say this. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for suffering on the cross, taking my sin and shame and guilt. I give it all to you. Please come into my life. Thank you that you do. I'm coming back to you, Lord. I want to finish strong. I want to have an impact. No matter what, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. Let's close with this song. It's all about his nature because he's a good, good father. Amen? Let's sing to him. Let's give Jesus a hand first, though. Hallelujah. Bless you, 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 bless you. And I thousand stories of why singularity but I pretend to whisper love the dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I never alone